are in our third week of our series, Surviving the Holidays. And, and really, I understand that, that the holidays, it's, an, it's a time where there's a lot of like sadness and, and it just brings up a lot of things to people, you know? And so my, my heart behind this, this message is to, to, to figure out how do we, um, how, how, do we, how do we focus less on what we're going through and more of what the season really is. And, and that's what we're talking about. We're, we're talking about Advent. It's a Latin word that means arrival or coming. And this idea, like, we're looking forward to the arrival of Jesus uh, back when he was born. and then, But also the second coming of Jesus. We believe that he's coming back for his bride, everybody. And, um, and so Luke chapter 1, verse 26. The first week we talked about hope. Second week, week 2, we talked about peace. This week we're going to be talking about joy. Yay. <laughs> Cheers. And so Luke chapter 1, it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never and so this morning, uh, within the few minutes that I have left, I want to talk to you briefly from the subject, pure joy, pure joy. Let's pray one more time. Father, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to be here this morning. God, I thank you for your faithfulness uh, to this church, God. And even if it's a faith statement, God, I thank you for your faithfulness to us in our lives. God, I pray the next uh, few moments together. Holy Spirit, that you would do what only you can do. You would challenge, you would provoke, you would stretch, uh, but ultimately you would grow us. We want to leave here changed. We want to leave here better, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, everyone say it. Amen. 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 So I love to scare people. I love, I love getting the reaction. My mom says that I just love reaction. I, I, and so, like, I love scaring people, and, um, and there's just something about scaring people. And um, some people, some people, like, when you scare them, it's amazing because they just fall to the ground. You know, I'm that person. If you scare me, I'm like, ah, right? Like, I, like, melt. <laughs> and, uh, but there's some people, like, who just, who they, they either don't understand that you're trying to scare them or they're just not scared. And uh, I bring this up because... Um, couple months ago, or maybe it was a month ago, I went out with our, our, our group um, to uh, the, the uh, corn maze, the pumpkin patch thing, and I'm with my group. Shout out to my group leaders. I think I see them right there, Wes and Melanie. And, uh, and, and so we're out there. We're, we're having fun, and we, we go to the corn maze at nighttime, and I'm like, oh, this is perfect. I'm going to scare somebody. Uh, and so, like, I'm trying to decide who I'm going to scare. And, I, and so, like, I'm like, I'm not going to scare Wes. He's bigger than me. 
I like, you know, like, hey, mama didn't raise no fool. Like, um, I'm like, I'm not going to scare, uh, I'm not going to scare uh, my brother-in-law, right, because my sister will get mad at me. And um, I'm not going to scare uh, Michael because I just met him, you know, like, and so, so the only other person that I could scare was Pastor Paul. And, um, and, and so I'm like, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to do it, you know? And so, like, I run ahead, and I'm, like, hiding behind, uh, like, the corn stalk things. I don't know what they're called. Um, and I'm, I'm just hiding, right? And I'm waiting. And, I'm like, and then I realize, like, I should probably not, like, just jump out, right? Because you don't know people's heart conditions, you know? Like, we, <laughs> we want this to be a joke, not a death, right? And so... Um, so, like, I'm, like, I'm hiding, right? I'm hiding, and I'm thinking, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to grab his hand. <laughs> right? Because any person that's just, that just gets their hand touched and they're not expecting it, the natural reaction is to be, like, to freak out. So I'm, like, that's, that's kind of scaring him. It's a little bit scaring him. And so I'm hiding, right? I'm just, I'm hiding and Pastor Paul's walking, just like, you know. And what I do, I reach out my hand, I, I reach my hand out, and I just, I kind of, <laughs> maybe too sexy, just like, I just, you know, like just brush, brush his, his hand. And I'm like, oh, he's going to freak out. And what he does is he grabs my hand. <laughs> and he's walking. <laughs> And then he looks at me, and he's like, he thought I was his wife. <laughs> and it backfired. <laughs> so, so uh, never try to scare Pastor Paul, because <laughs> he'll just hold your hand. <laughs> I think you guys are blessed. Let's pray. We'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so the reason why I'm, I'm just telling you this, like, I love to scare people. Obviously, it didn't work for him. But uh, what we see in our text this morning is this angel that just loves to scare people. Last week, we, last week he scared some shepherds as they were shepherding. He's scared. He's a poof. And they're like, ah, right? He's like, don't be afraid. Yeah, too late, yeah. This week, he, this angel, Gabriel, he pops on the scene to little Mary. And he's like, do not be afraid. And here's this angel, and in the text that we read, there's this, there's this really cool dialogue that happens. It's a dialogue that's both beautiful and yet complex. Because in this, in this dialogue, this conversation that's taken place, um, there, there's a lot happening in this moment and so here's Mary she's minding her own business doing whatever Mary did at that time and out of nowhere the angel and he's like don't be afraid and he says he says this he says Mary I have some news for you you're gonna have a baby and um and you're going to have this baby, and this baby's going to be the savior of the world. Surprise. 
And I love Mary's reaction because I'm assuming Mary's just like, um, a couple things here real quick, Mr. Angel. First thing is I'm engaged. Uh, second thing, this is probably the biggest thing, is I'm a virgin. Usually when someone has a baby, it's a mommy and a daddy and they love each other. And they get some Marvin Gaye. <laughs> Who listens to Marvin Gaye? Um, focus, John. Time restraint. And she's like, Mr. Angel, like, this is impossible. This can't happen. This can't take, like, this is, we, this can't happen. And I love the angel's response because it's almost as if he's trying to make it better. Because he says, he, he says this, he's like, she's like, how can this happen? I, I, I've never been with my fiance. And the angel says this, the angel's like, um, hey, don't worry, it's God's baby. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. Like if I'm married, I'm like, that does not make it easier. <laughs> In fact, I'm even more confused. What is happening? And so here's this, here's Mary, and she she's like just minding her own business, and all of a sudden, an unexpected situation takes place. In fact, at in the text that we read at the very beginning, it says that Mary, she was troubled. When, when the angel approached her, she was troubled and perplexed. So, so, so she was like, what is going on? And I got to be honest, like, I get it. Not being pregnant, but I understand what it's like to get unexpected news. News that you weren't, that you were not ready to get. News that, that like you were not expecting and all of a sudden it's like, poof. And you know what? My guess is you understand what that's like too. Of getting news that, that you had no idea. Like you, that, that, that news, that unexpected news that you're going to be let go from your job. That unexpected news that says you have been denied to this college, this, this, the unexpected news that, hey, you have this problem now, or you're diagnosed with this. Like, we get this. We understand the complexity of this moment for Mary because we, we've all experienced this, this tension, if you will, of, 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 of encountering a moment that was unexpected, and it leaves you just lifeless on the floor. It gives you that feeling of like, I just, I just want to die. Like I can't breathe. I'm done. Is that? Can anyone relate to that? That that feeling of that that feeling of just like suffocation of like, oh my gosh, it's over. There's no hope. And so here is Mary. This. What most scholars believe was a teenage girl. And here she is, man. She's like, she just got this unexpected news. And by, like, I would not, if the story said that Mary freaked out and was like, heck no, I'm out of here. If that was the story, I would have I understood. I would have been like, good on you, Mary. That's smart. 
you just, you go, right? But, but that's not what she did. In fact, we're going to read a verse in a little couple verses later that, that shows that she does the complete opposite. That in the midst of this unexpected situation, she responds in such a way that I hope is encouraging to you as much as it was for me. And it says this in Luke chapter 46. I'm sorry, that was a lie. Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. Verse 47, watch this. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. She said, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Rejoices. She said, like in the midst, hello, mister. She said, in the middle, in the midst of this unexpected situation, Scripture says, in fact, what we just read, in most of your Bibles, it probably says Mary's song. So she's like singing this. She's like, my spirit rejoices. Notice that she doesn't say rejoices in the news that I got. She said, my, my, I rejoice in the Lord, my God. And so rejoicing, friends, is a byproduct of joy. And so, so in the middle of this unexpected news, Mary had joy. Mary had joy. There was some joy that was inside of her. And my hope this morning with the next couple minutes that we have left is as we look at what joy is, that you too, as you experience hard times, that you can still have joy in your life, especially in this season. And so in order for, to, to, in order for us to do that, we're going to be in uh, James chapter 1, James chapter 1 and verse 2, and I'm going to give you three fundamentals of joy, and then we're done. And then the worship band's going to come up, and we're going to end with worship, and, and we're gonna, we're gonna be, it's going to be phenomenal. So uh, three fundamentals of joy. It's found in James chapter 1, verse 2, and I'm going to break down the verse just a little bit. So it says this, the first part, I'll read the whole verse actually, let's do that. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. So, uh, three fundamentals of joy. Number one, first fundamental joy. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Fundamental number one, generic joy exists. Generic joy exists. So uh, my kids, I went to the store a while back. They, they needed cereal. My kids love Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I don't eat that stuff. I'm like grape nuts, right, and egg whites. So, um, so, and, and so, so I go to the store. I go to the cereal aisle, and then I have a choice. There is a brand a brand name right here, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And then I have another option, and it's like Cinnamon Squares. And Cinnamon Squares, it comes in a larger bag for less money. 
And I'm like, hey, I'm a steward of what God has given me. And so I get, uh, I get these, these uh, cinnamon squares. I bring them home. I give it to my four-year-old. And he's, I'm like, here you go, buddy. And he's happy and he's eating it. And he stops. God is my witness. He's like, Dad. He said, fake cereal. <laughs> I was like, shut up. <laughs> no, he's like, he's like, fake cereal. And I was like, no, I'm trying to convince him. Like it's the regular one, you know. He's like, fake cereal. And then he's like, oh, he's, he's like, done. And he just walks off. <laughs> Americans. And, um. <laughs> and and so so I'm like surely like cinnamon squares are you know so I go and I, I start eating it and here's what's interesting they look the same they smelt the same but they didn't taste the same and I was like oh that is disgusting and in that moment I realized that a lot of the times that, or excuse me, within that cereal, that generic is not as good as the name brand. And what James is saying in James chapter 1 and verse 2, he's like, hey, beware of generic joy. Beware of generic joy. He's like, and so he could have said, James could have said, because as I'm reading this, he, he could have said, consider it joy. My brothers and sisters. But he didn't say that. He, he felt so led to, to add pure right there. As if to say there is joy that is not 100% pure. As if to say there's another type of joy that you and I have to look out for because it's not going to sustain us the way pure joy would. In fact, that word joy in the Greek is the word kara. And um, C H A R A, and it and, and and it comes from another Greek word called uh, Greek word charis, C H A R I S, and that word charis, charis, Harris, whatever. It it that word means just uh, translated into grace. Specifically, the grace that God shows you and me. Now, now, if you're here and you're like, what is grace? Here's grace. It's receiving something that you don't deserve. And so by its very nature, what Jesus did for you and for me on the cross was grace. And so here, here is this word joy that comes from this word grace, specifically the grace that God shows you and me. And I take it as this, that true joy, pure joy, is joy that is found. Watch this, what Jesus is doing internally in my life and in my heart. Pure joy has more to do with what God is doing in here than what I'm seeing out here. See, when I base my joy on what's happening out here rather than what's in here, friends, I just tapped into generic joy. We also call generic joy happy. Like, we, we're happy, we're joyful when things are good. But man, when I'm going through something, all of a sudden, there goes my generic joy. And so James, he's writing, he's like, hey, 
there's such a thing called generic joy. I want you to tap into pure joy. And I love this because it's going to lead us into the second thing, uh, the second fundamental of joy, and it's this. Pure joy survives in hostile surroundings. Pure joy survives in hostile surroundings. So since joy, since pure joy has more to do with what's happening in here, what God is doing in my heart and in my life, and has less to do with what I see out here, here's the great news about pure joy. Pure joy is constant. Friends, this is amazing news. Pure joy doesn't have to run out. In fact, in Psalms chapter 16 and verse uh, 11, I believe, do we have that? As, uh, the psalmist says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Man, what if it just said in your presence there's a little bit of joy? No, the psalmist is like, there is fullness, abundance of joy. Like in God's presence, there is joy that never taps out. In God's presence, there is joy that is, that is constant and it keeps flowing. No matter what I'm going through, this joy is always here. I, I have access to this joy that doesn't run dry. And that's amazing. This joy that, that you and I have access to. But the psalmist says, but this fullness of joy, it's connected to the presence of God. He said, in your presence is fullness of joy. Which got me thinking, the only thing that can quench this fullness of joy is when I remove myself from God's presence. Now let's talk about God's presence real quick. Because, like, we believe that God is omnipresent, right? So God is everywhere. One person, I, thank you. We believe that God is everywhere through his Holy Spirit. And so there's omnipresent, but then there's also manifest presence. And manifest presence is, is God making his presence known. And here's the best way that I could explain it. In this room, if I said, in this room... There is a millionaire that's ready to give a million dollars. That's cool. I like that. You'll take it. Yeah, there you go. You'll take it. I'll take it. Just, just somewhere. But that's all you know. Like somewhere in this room, there is a millionaire. That's omnipresence. Manifest presence is that millionaire standing up tapping you on the shoulder and saying, here's a million dollars. And so, so we understand that the, there's a thing omnipresence, but what I believe the psalmist is talking about is, is manifest presence. That in your manifest presence, when I'm experiencing you, when I'm encountering you, there is fullness of joy. And so, so if, if I want access to this fullness of joy, I have to learn to continue to be connected to his presence. I got to continue to be connected to, to who God is through reading the word, through worship, through prayer, through what we're doing here on a Sunday morning, what we do through groups. Like, I have to be connected. 
And when I'm connected, hey, I didn't say it. Scripture said it. In your presence, when I'm connected to your presence, God, there is abundance. There is fullness of joy. And so we have, we have access to this, this joy that, that, that is never ending, that never runs dry. And I'm, man, that just makes me so happy. So happy. So I got to stay connected. And so uh, the, the three um, fundamentals, fundamental number one, generic joy exists. Fundamental number two, joy survives in hostile surroundings. And so when I have pure joy, pure joy that, that is in here, that's not based out of here, it's constant. It's, it's all the time. It survives when things are, are very, very down. I could still be joyful, which is great news. And then number three, as the band comes up, fundamental number three, joy fuels my faith. Joy fuels my faith. And so uh, James, he's, he's, he writes, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you, be, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so what we see in verse 3 is that a maturation process of faith is fueled by joy. I'll say that again. A maturation process of my faith, so my faith maturing, is fueled by joy. There's this verse in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 2, I believe we have it. The author of Hebrews, he writes, And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. And so I love that part where he says looking to Jesus because he, he's, he's letting us know where our eyes, our perspective, our focus, what it should be on. And then verse 12, it says, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. And here's the part that I love. Who for the joy was set before him endured the cross. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And so what the author is saying in, in this, in that text, can we have that part uh, back up, Josh, please? Thank you. For the joy that was set before him, him being Jesus, he endured the cross. Here, here, this is crazy. There was a joy, let me put it this way. Jesus endured the pain of the cross, which we, I believe, collectively could agree that probably was very painful. Jesus endured the cross because of the joy that was set on the other side. Think about that. Think of, like, he endured the pain. He endured the agony because of what he saw on the other side of the cross. It was the joy that was set before him on the other side of the cross that he was willing to endure the pain. And here's the best news about that. Do you know what that joy was? You. Do you know what that joy was? It was you and you 
and you. The joy that he had to endure the cross was your face. Think about that. It was joy that fueled him in his mission. And it got me thinking, friends, we need joy in order to fuel us to continue what God has called you and created you to do and to be. That it's that joy. It says in Scripture that the joy of the Lord is my strength. So knowing that, that I am responding in patience, knowing that I'm responding in love, knowing that I'm responding in hope, knowing that I'm responding in peace, it gives God joy. And His joy is my strength to keep going. Knowing that I'm living a life that God is like, oh man, He did not just do that. I'm so excited. Yo, that's my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And so joy, it's, it's not just something that's based off of what we see out here, but it's what God's doing in here. And because it's what God is doing in here, like I can have joy continuously, but, but it's also, joy is also something that I need in order to keep moving forward, to keep fueling me forward. And so this morning, in this season that we're in, where many, 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 many people don't feel joy, if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you that you can still experience joy. Not based off of what you experience or what you see, but because of what you believe in faith He's doing in here. He's growing you, friends. Pure joy.